Edmonton, what is up? March 26th, finally, I am coming through to Edmonton. It hasn't been this crunk since Gretzky was on the ice. Edmonton, Canada, March 26th, me giving the keynote, Q&A with you, the state of the union of entrepreneurship, marketing, and business. Information below, I hope to see you there. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What's up, podcast? On this episode, Gary sits down with Cheddar Esports to talk about the new Call of Duty League opener last weekend and his undefeated Minnesota Rocker team. Make sure to hit him up or leave a review, and I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Aaron Ashley Simon from Cheddar Esports, and I don't even have to explain the man of the hour, Gary Vaynerchuk. You are here at the first Call of Duty homestand, and obviously, Rockers, they won yesterday. How is it to see that first win at the first match of the season? You know, I've, I've uh, never been in the position I was in last night, which is I've been such a hardcore sports fan my whole life, but to actually be an owner, uh, I was wildly nervous. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, right before the match started, I was like, man, I wish we didn't have the first homestand. Because, because I don't mind losing. I really don't. Uh, it's a process. But with all the buildup and your home, to like lose your home opener, uh, and the you know, listen, I'm in the space now. The Gorillas had a lot of like, I think I think they have a good organization, but it's, there's definitely been a lot of chatter on social of like they're disorganized, they're not practicing enough, like, and then they get off to that hot start, and I'm like, okay, this is really bad. And you know, I love boxing. Yeah. And I'm always affected by when the kid goes back to their hometown and lose the fight in their hometown. Yeah. It's like this moment in boxing that I think a lot about, and so when it was when we were down 2-0, before they got disqualified and made it 1-1, I was like, I don't know if we can curse on Cheddar, but I was like, son of a gun, uh, we're gonna be that boxer that loses in their hometown. So how does it feel to be frank and transparent? A relief, exciting, but way more importantly that, that's just my competitive DNA in the macro. Like, the fact that I'm gonna watch this video of you and I 39 years from now and be like, my God, Look at the humble beginnings of this league yeah. that now is selling 150,000 tickets in a minute to the world to the championship match. I already know that's been written. History is always being written. So, in addition to that, we found out yesterday about the uh, partnership deal with Google and YouTube, and this was kind of like a shocker to many of the uh, gamers because obviously Twitch is the leading streaming platform right now. And now we're starting to see the likes of like Facebook Gaming and YouTube and even Mixer coming into the whole uh, streaming battles. And as someone who has uh, capitalized and, and elevated in terms of content on YouTube, how do you see this partnership kind of elevating not only the Call of Duty League, but then also, I guess, YouTube as a platform competing with the likes of like a Twitch? I think it's a great question. Um, you know, obviously with Overwatch and, and other, uh, you know, Ninja as a personality, I think for the hardcore gaming community, no question Twitch, and I'm an enormous Twitch fan, uh, is an incredible platform and it was obviously very much in the mix uh, as, the, as the home for the streaming. You know, to me, if you're paying attention even a little bit, I'm sure for you, I mean, you're setting up the broad question to the audience, but it wasn't a shock. Like, if, if you're just, if you're even a little in, those are probably the two places you would have guessed it could have ended up on, right? So, you know, how do I think about it? I think if you're the hardest core and you've grown up in the last five to seven years in esports, there's probably a little bit of part of you that's saying like, oh, it should be on Twitch. 
if you're an entrepreneur and you're in it, you're saying to yourself, okay, YouTube is so broad, it, if it's making this real investment, it's going to do things that broadens the audience. There are going to be millions of people who have no idea what Call of Duty, eSports, or any of this is that are gonna stumble on this content on YouTube in the next year that is gonna build awareness my intuition, I was not involved in any of the negotiations. I, myself, you found out as soon as I did. Yeah. I knew what was going on, but um, I'm speaking like a social commentator. I always go with broad. You know, even when I do my stuff, uh, I'm always thinking broad. The first time I ever decided to do a television show, it was for Apple's show with, you know, Planet of the Apps. Even though it stayed within Apple Music, it was Apple, the potential for global broad was there. I always go broad. Especially when something's new. The exposure matters. Twitch is, is like the spot. Gamers know how to find that. Karen in Iowa or Alberta or Shanghai, probably not Carol there, uh, <laughs> is gonna stumble on this platform through YouTube more likely than Twitch at this point. Not to undermine what I think Twitch can and will become and to be very frank, I expect the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Warner Medias and if you are an entertainment media conglomerate and you are not paying attention to esports streaming, you are making a humongous mistake. And so, you know, I was there in Silicon Valley. I was there, I'm going through in sports cards. I'm very passionate about sports cards right now. The OGs of anything, even though I was more OG than those OGs in sports cards because I did as a kid, they're always scared like a new band you know how you follow a band and then they get big yeah. and you get mad because they sold out? No, they're just going through the progression. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think what you'll see is the hardest core fans of this sport will realize how good of a deal this is because it's gonna rise everything and make it better in a lot of ways. While I know if you're a hippier in the streets, you're always mad at anything that scales up. Yeah. But I'm, I, I, how do I think it's gonna impact it? I think it's gonna make more esports fans which I think will trickle down to impact everybody in a positive way, period, in the story. Yeah, I mean, some of the conversations that I had with people was that, yeah, YouTube, in terms of its gaming interface, it's not quite um, appealing towards certain gamers yet, but it's an easier user interface for the Karens of the world, the Joshes, to kind of stumble upon the content. Comma, it's a technology company that can build the technology, you know, that will make it the best for the hardcore gamers and let toggling happen between Slaughterpants 63 and Sallypants 1964, AKA the hardcore fan can get what they want, the broad market can get what they want, and, uh, and I think that's exactly right. What, 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 it needs to do to make the experience better for the hardcore gamers a lot easier than it is for Twitch to have a trillion people on the platform tomorrow. Yes, indeed. So let's talk about growth overall, right? Obviously, esports is growing. Um, I've I've watched videos of you talking about the investment, specifically why you invested within Rocker and the Call of Duty Pro League versus other leagues, right? Um, in terms of of just you're someone who doesn't get into something unless you're really into it, you're really researching, etc. Um, from from an investment standpoint, the financial evaluation of esports in terms of uh, return on investment isn't quite there yet, right? Right. Um, when do you feel like it will get to a certain point in terms of its trajectory to the point where, like, you may see value? Well, not necessarily see value, but you may be able to get enough profit and return 
or you can then go buy the Jets. Do you see that it'll get to the point where the financial valuation from esports leagues or teams will actually exceed those of like the NBA and the NFL and et cetera? I think there's a potential that may happen. Now I think there's fragmentation in esports that we don't see in the NBA. Like basketball's humongous but there's one NBA. American football is humongous but there's one NFL. Baseball is humongous but there's one MLB. Esports as a whole, like those video game playing competitively is actually gonna be bigger than all three of those things. Maybe combined. But there may be 39 titles and leagues that play out, which then may create the fact that they can never get to the value of those leagues. It's all gonna be on supply and demand. The reason the NBA and the NFL and the MLB are where they're at is because of the TV rights trickling down. The streaming rights have to get to such a number that that could happen. Um, And so I can tell you this, I would be on the ground shocked and I can't wait to play these videos in 20 years and say that I was wrong if these franchises are not valued far greater than they are right now. This is a game of do you understand which game is gonna be Zelda and Super Mario versus which game is gonna be Kid Icarus, right? Or even Mega Man, AKA for video game people. I had to decide that I thought that Call of Duty would be a game that people would play 21 years from now versus what happened to Doom. Mm. Got it? That's the bet. Nine, 11, 12, 13 years ago, I, Doom was Fortnite. Doom was Call of Duty. Doom was League of Legends, Overwatch. Doom's not winning right now. Uh, If Call of Duty isn't one of the biggest games in 16 years, this investment will lose. If it is an evergreen game, like a Zelda, you know, like, and I keep using that because Nintendo helps. Like, there's been titles that always transfer. When I was a kid, Kid Icarus was as big as Mario for that six months. That's the game I keep playing. Is it Mario? Is it Kid Icarus? The decision I went into Call of Duty is I've decided it's Mario. I win big if I'm right. I lose big if I'm if it's Kid Icarus. Well, in addition to the fragmentation too, I think the one thing that we're seeing in esports as well is that obviously they have their hardcore fan base, but it's the segmenting audiences and still appealing to your hardcore fans while bring in new uh, new fans in the sense like, for example, they went over yesterday in the first matches, they went over the rules when it comes to hardpoint and et cetera. On the stream, you saw certain individuals who are hardcore fans, they're like, why are you showing us this? We already know. Um, and so there are various competitive scenes that You'll are appreciate this. That. You'll appreciate this. That is such a non-event, I'll explain why. Okay. To your point, there needs to be, we have such great technology, this is not television. You know, in 1984, that would have been the case. Yeah. We, as a league, the platforms as platforms have to realize, let's create an A-B telecast. Let's create, I mean, I feel the same way about American football. I really know football. So when they're going through, it's why Tony Romo is exploding on the scene to everybody, he's going deeper. Yeah. And he's like, how does he know? But I knew that stuff, because I watch a lot of football. But like, when my dad got into it 15 years ago, I'm like, this is a punt. And so to the hardcore fans, they're right. We need, I think we should argue that we should have a hardcore and a casual uh, broadcast. 
and the hardcore fans should not see here the rules. The hardcore fans should get into the subtleties of the skin, why the skin is gonna come out tomorrow or the, or the patch that came out or the backstory of a new player or the his, or a documentary on Hector going from Optic to you know Huntsman. Like, yeah, I'm with you. And I think technology lets us do that whereas television did not. I also think that part of that too is the, the cultural component as well. Um, for example, right, uh, Every, like I love Ninja and I love that he's building his platform. Uh, he made a comment about uh, Drake as an artist making gaming cool. He's definitely helped make it cool now, but I also think there's this historical and cultural component to it where you have the lights of the Wu-Tang Clan and Def Jam, Fight for New York and that whole series and even people like Lupe Fiasco that was very much involved in, in the scene. And I feel like there is a cultural well, you're, component you're, that's missing. You're, you're just awesome. You're being really smart right now. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, right. I, I appreciate what you're saying. You're right. I mean, like, I will never forget when I, I, I don't remember who it was, but like to your point, in 2003 or four, I saw a top 15 rapper wear like a Super Mario hoodie, and that was like, I was like, what? You know, to yeah. your point, you know, you, you know, yeah, I mean, when you think about Mortal Kombat, Wu-Tang, like things of that nature, uh, yes, I think you're right, and, and I think for Ninja, he's such a young kid, Tyler's such a young kid, you know, look, that was such a moment. It was. It will always be a moment. And, I'm, and it's really, it was, I mean, it was the most, I had been watching this, I mean, when Justin TV became Twitch, I was paying attention. Uh, and was like, okay, like, uh, you know, but no question, I, when Ashton Kutcher joined Twitter and said he would race CNN to a million followers, I had been on Twitter for years, it was when I talked about Twitter has made it. When, when, uh, you know, um, DJ Khaled had his moment on the water, the, thing, jet the jet ski, thank you D-Rock, on Snapchat, that was the next hour or day when I made my first content of Snapchat's here now, even though I've been paying attention for 18 months heavily. When Drake went on that stream, the next day I made my piece of content saying like, eSports is in a different place now. Yeah. Fortnite's in a different place now. Ninja's in a different place now even though I've been watching that space for a long time. I think that's right, but to your point, it's always been there in different ways. So how, does, how is it that we can kind of convey that message or add that cultural component and the historical component? Because there's a lot of kids that don't, they see Ninja and they know Ninja, but they don't know some of the backstories of some of, of I think the, you'll appreciate this. I think, I, yeah. I like where you're going. I think that plays out. Okay. You know, like this video is gonna run and people are gonna leave comments of like, well, what about when this person mentioned Mike Tyson's punch out in 1998, in 1988, excuse me, in hip hop? And then some kid's gonna read that and be like, oh, this really has been around that long. Yep. You understand? I think a lot of times when one's passionate about something, they get anxious to make sure people know. And I always tell people the truth wins. You just gotta give it time to breathe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something that I've been trying to do is integrating that culture component and bringing artists on the Cheddar Esports that are passionate about this scene that they don't even know about. I mean, you know this, like if you go and follow 700 people that are cool, let's just use the word culture or cool, like whether it's hip hop, whether it's athletes, whether yeah. it's EDM, let's go different spaces, whether it's skateboarding, surfers that look very different than Southside Atlanta hip hop artists, but like play them all out. If you follow 800 of the top people, uh, people that are, let's just use Instagram as the current establishment that are crushing on that. Including women like Emma Chamberlain or things of that nature. If you follow all them 
and you watch all their stories and you watch it for a month. Yeah. Inevitably of that 800, 137 of them will put out some sort of reference or show you that they're playing video games. So it's, it's already happened. Yeah. It's already happened. Like I can't wait for homestands next year because this year things were rushed as they should be in a new league. Our streaming deal just got done. Yeah. Uh, the league is getting used to it. All, us team owners are getting used to it. We're gonna have our stuff together for next year. And I promise you next year's homestands are gonna have 50 to 500 people in the world at these events and people are gonna know because it already happened. Yeah, I mean also, you know, with the new homestand concept, that's something that is new, especially even for eSports. And we're seeing how traditional sports is kind of bringing some structure and formatting into this scene. Um, and I kind of want to uh, make a little bit of a switch because you're very big on TikTok. Yes. TikTok, obviously, with the news um, that they're going to be getting into gaming uh, with their game studio. What are your thoughts on that? Smart. It's culture on culture, right? Yeah. TikTok has the attention of an enormous amount of eight to 28 year olds right now. Uh, I'm not in Minnesota wearing this rocker Christmas sweater for my health. You know, this is, this is a unbelievable pillar of culture to the day I die. Yeah. And so uh, I, I view that as rising both boats. It'll be good for esports, it'll be good for TikTok. Simple enough. Simple enough. And then in addition to that, I've, you know, with your investments in the Call of Duty League, are you also potentially looking at mobile gaming? Because um, I know in an interview you were saying, especially when it comes to demographic in the US, you own it, you're learning more about China and some of the other markets overseas. Mobile gaming is something that's massive over, especially in South Korea and I'm China. I'm super aware. And yeah, so, uh, but you know, it's something that's starting to grow and blossom here in the United States on a competitive and, component. And is quite large to begin with. Yeah. Like when you start throwing in certain games into the mix, I mean the numbers are staggering in the US. Yeah, I mean, look, this is just, this is how I roll. It's, all of this is oxygen to me. My oxygen as a human is I want to know what people are doing. And then sometimes I get involved because it's noble and important to me. Sometimes I get involved as a consumer of it. Uh, but because of my DNA, an enormous amount of times I get involved as an entrepreneur because I enjoy it. I enjoy the sport of business. And so, of course, especially when you look at the female demographics, when you look at the lack of barrier of entry into it, um, I look at it all the time. I mean, I spent an uncomfortable amount of time paying attention to Candy Crush, to Angry Birds. I analyzed hundreds, no, that's not fair, tens of hours of what people were doing. Not watching people play it, watching what people are saying about it. Why did they like Farmville, right? If you go read my book, The Thank You Economy in 2010, I talk about virtual currency, that people will spend real life money on things that are digital in essence. I mean, the amount of money kids are spending on 2K and Madden packs, skins, like it happened. It was obvious to me because I already, not because I'm a genius, because people were already a little bit doing it for power ups then. Yeah. Um, of course I'm watching, I'm always watching. Of course you are. One more. Uh, so I, the last question I actually is, is more of an advice thing I want to ask. Okay. Um, so as someone who is obviously doing broadcasting, esports, and gaming, um, for me being in this scene, there's already experts, there's already casters and commentators, and one of the things that I've been kind of uh, paving for myself is 
the intersection of esports gaming and culture. Love. Um, and that's something that, like, one, I'm passionate about. I mean, I used to work in music media. I used to work in traditional sports. Um, and so for me, it's been kind of an interesting journey. It's a long journey, and I know it's challenging just because of what we talked about, where it's like the segmentation, where, like, if it's Call of Duty, they just are super Call of Duty, or they're super Overwatch. Uh, but in terms of those cultural conversations, whether it is diversity and inclusion or if it's whether hip hop and et cetera, that stuff is actually taking time in terms of people being interested in the content. Do you feel, you know, to me, just as a question back to you yes. as we're jamming, I feel that Call of Duty is far more culture oriented than Overwatch. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Like, I see far more NBA players, football players, artists putting out their Call of Duty kind of content than Overwatch. Yes, I do see that. I think that the Overwatch, like for that specific game and title, um, they have a little bit of, there's there's kind of like a, a, a struggle that they have in the sense that they are a, a league that's pretty much established in the United States, but they also have a lot of players that are from overseas. Yes. And there's that marketing disconnect, especially when it comes yes. to regionalization, yeah. right? Um, but even with the conversations of like culture, I think for me it's like, the one thing I've been trying to figure out in the sense is how do I, and I've been following your, your method in terms of just putting it out, uh, but I'm really also just trying to figure out how to go about it. Here's how I'd go about it. Authenticity reversed, create the visual. What do I mean by that? Authenticity reversed, create the visual. Instead of trying to build, bring Call of Duty to the baby, watch if Meg the Stallion likes Call of Duty. Got it? Map it. Yeah. All of it. Uh, very much the same for me. Like, I will never reach out to anybody nor be receptive if they aren't interested in entrepreneurship. But if they are, then I'm in. Now, what's great about hip hop, as somebody who loves it, is that a lot of them have so much entrepreneurial DNA. Athletes, too, because the nature of urban life in the streets leads to entrepreneurial DNA. Yeah. Um, I would, I would, no joke, if we were just like best friends and doing this together and being like, we, we care about this, yeah. I would spend 800 hours trying to figure out every single person in the culture that likes it, then reach out to them, then create content around it because it's authentic, right? It, it's kind of like Wale with wrestling. I love wrestling mm-hmm. and I want more culture in wrestling. It has to start with Wale because he actually loves it. Got it? I got it. I can't go convince Lil' Keed to come to a wrestling match with me. Yeah. Do you understand? I understand. Map it, then create the content. As we end today's podcast, I want to give a huge shout out to the people, you know, it's so funny, people that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So Dean, take it away. Which were our favorites this week? Thank you very much, Gary. Today's reviews, listen in and better than reading a book written in by ea.murf and Becca Lynn 979 say. Listen, get inspired and motivated and go do. That's what happens to me when I listen. Appreciate all your advice and help, Gary. And secondly, always playing this podcast on my drive and there's never a week that goes by where I don't take away knowledge or a solid piece of advice from Gary. 
Thank you for your content. Thank you both so much for writing in. And remember, keep leaving reviews because yours could be next.